You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. How to build an ark and save your home. A little while ago, Dwayne, Iris, and I were stepping out of that little trailer over there where we'd just gotten a cool drink of water and we'd prayed for you. Ruffin Snow was standing there, and Ruffin said, Brother Thomas, you know something? He said, um, I believe tonight we have probably at least 200 homeless people who are here in the stadium for this crusade. My heart just broke because I want to tell you something. We've got a whole lot more people who are homeless here tonight than that. Now, you may have an earthly home, but you don't have a heavenly home. And I know that some of you have homes. You have houses you live in. But there's just a civil war going on in that home. It's falling apart. You see, everything is shoving against the home. There's a, there's a flood against the home these days. I had an article. In fact, I've got it in my pocket here. came out of the paper this morning. It was talking about the flood of evil that comes into the home through the Internet that little children can be a part of. It tells how three judges, in fact, this article said three pinheads and in Philadelphia, struck down a part of the Computer Decency Act, the part that says that you couldn't, you couldn't portray porno- pornography to children. And so now even children in the homes can see the, the worst things you can ever imagine. Went on to say that there, there are a thousand bulletin boards on the Internet. They checked on just one of them. Just one of them had already downloaded over 600,000 pictures of child pornography. That's 600 million pictures of pornography in just a matter of weeks on these bulletin boards. Everything's pushing against the home. Yeah, we've got homeless people here tonight, people whose homes are fractured. It's amazing. You'd think right here at what we call the buckle of the Bible belt that we'd be the, we'd be the picture of what home life is all about. But the truth of the matter is you know as well as I do that in most counties in Oklahoma, every year there have been more divorces than there have been marriages. Homes are falling apart. Some of you on the streets. Some of you, it's been a long time since you stepped inside the door and saw your mama, saw your daddy, or saw your husband or wife or your family members. Homes are falling apart. Some of you go home tonight and you'll walk inside a house and you'll hardly recognize the people that are there. Their parents here say, I don't know what's happened to my children. There are young people here who say, I don't care anything about my parents. And tonight I want to share with you how you can build an ark and how no matter who you are, No matter where you've come from, no matter what you're going through, you can save your home. That's right. Let me ask you quietly, reverently, prayerfully to stand with me in honor of our Lord and listen to this verse of Scripture. It tells about Noah. I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And there it says that by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, and moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Everybody knows the story of Noah. You know how God came to him and found him as one righteous man in a world that was corrupt and evil and violent. And how God said, Noah... There's an amazing thing going to happen, something you've never seen. It's going to rain. It had never rained in the history of the world at that moment. 
and then the earth is going to break up and water is going to pour out from the inside of the earth and the whole earth is going to be covered with water. And Noah, what I want you to do is to build an ark, build this boat. And you and your wife and your three sons and their wives and then these animals that I'm going to bring will get on this boat and you alone will be saved. I'm going to close the door, God said. When I close the door, you're going to be absolutely safe during this terrible thing, this awful flood that's going to cover the earth. Geologists will tell you there's evidence all over the world that this world one day was covered with the water. You can go to the tops of the highest mountains and you can find fossils there of animals that could only live in the sea. So one day God judged this earth. It was violent. It was corrupt. It was awful. But there was a home that was saved. It was the home of Noah. And he had built an ark and he had saved his home. How could you do that? How could you build a home that will stand after everything comes against you? How can you build a home that will stand no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens to our government, to our economy, to this society? Build an ark and save your home. Father in heaven, I pray, trusting your Holy Spirit tonight will stir hearts as you already have through Dwayne, through Iris, and through their testimony. And Lord, I pray there'd be a lot of us here tonight who would learn what it means to build an ark and to, to save our homes. Lord, there are a lot of homeless people here tonight. And Father, I pray that tonight will be the beginning of a brand new life. I pray, Heavenly Father, you could recover to them those years which the locusts have eaten. I pray, Heavenly Father, somehow you would help them to see that Jesus makes the difference. Not just people, Lord, who may be here without a physical house to go home to, but Lord... People who don't have a home in heaven. They may live in the finest mansion in this town. But when all's said and done, that mansion's going to be gone. And many of them don't have a home in heaven. Father, I pray that you'd help us see how we can build an ark and save our home. And I pray it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Would you be seated, please? man came to me and said, Brother Tom... He said, I'm scared. He said, when I see what's happening in society, when I see which way America is going, when I listen to the music, consider the drug scene, and see how from the top of our government structure all the way down there is corruption, when I see what's happening in our schools and the lives of our children, when I read about all the crime and all the senseless, the drive-by shootings, he said, I'm just, he said, I'm scared. I don't know what can I do for my family. He said, I, I just, when I think about the future, he said, I just, I just get scared. He said, preacher, sometimes I just want to weep thinking, what about my kids and what about my little grandkids? What kind of a world are they going to, they're going to live in? He said, sometimes I just want to throw up my hands and give up and just sort of, just sort of check out a society. And other times I just want to get mad and just hit somebody because of what's going on. What can I do? I wish I'd known to share with him what I'm going to share with you this evening. How you can build an ark and save your home. There are three things you must do. First of all, you have to settle your conversion. What do you mean conversion, preacher? Uh, co to convert something means to change something. And conversion is just a long word 
that sometimes a preacher will use to talk about someone whose life is going the wrong way being changed so it can go the right way. We talk about a Christian. We say that's a converted person. Sometimes we'll have a crusade service and and like we'll have tonight, there'll be people who say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to have eternal life. I want my life to change. And we'll speak after the service. How many converts were there? How many people were there there whose lives really changed? You want to build an ark that will save your home? It all begins inside you. It begins in your heart. You've got to settle. You've got to know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die. You know what the Bible says about Noah? The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible says here in the seventh verse of, of Hebrews chapter 11 that Noah was an heir. That means he received righteousness. You know what that means? That means while that world that he was living in was so wicked and so godless and there was so much corruption and there was so much perversion and there was so much idolatry there was so much in fact the bible says it was a time of violence it means that there was this man named noah and he looked all the way through history based on what his forefathers had told him why somehow he knew what was said in the garden of eden by god himself to adam and eve and to satan and he had said to satan listen one of these days there's going to be a child born to woman. And you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to try to do him in. But he's going to put the death blow to your head. And he was speaking about Jesus. And Noah was a man of faith. And so he said, I know it's terrible. I know it's awful. I know this world is a terrible place to be. But looking down through history, he looked all the way to the cross. And he said, but one of these days, God's going to send his son who's going to provide for me cleansing from sin. And I'm trusting him. How can you settle your conversion? You don't have to look all the way forward to the cross. Just turn around and look back to the cross. Look back to the fact that almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who never did sin, was taken and hung on a cross. And while he was stretched out there on the cross, he said, it's finished. It's paid in full. I'm paying for all the sins, for all the world, for all of time. Hey, listen, did you know something? You haven't done something Jesus hadn't paid for. You know something? You're not into something right now Jesus hadn't paid for. You know something? You're not going to do something in the future that Jesus didn't pay for when he died on the cross. You say, well, I guess that means I'll go to heaven. No, you settle your conversion by turning from sin and turning to Jesus. Saying, look, there's nothing in sin that promises me anything good. I give it up. Sin's going to drag me to hell for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. You want to build ark to save your home? Get saved. I talked to a man one time. He said, well, preacher... He said, I'm not much for church and I'm not much for religion. But he said, I'll tell you this. I'll make sure my family gets to church. He's not building an ark that'll save his home. He'll never spend his eternity with his family. I talk to teenagers all the time who say to me, Brother Tom, I want to tell you something. My parents are into religion. And I guess when the time comes, I can get religious. You know what happens? One of these days, that teenager will get religious. But that teenager may not get religion until that teenager gets to hell. Oh, that's right. You know, people in hell pray. Oh, that's right. 
Jesus told about a man one time who died and he went to hell and Jesus said that this man was so tormented that he cried out. He said, Lord, he said, send that man Lazarus that he may just dip the tip of his finger in water and touch my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. He said, you can't do it. Those who are there can never come here. Those who are here can never go there. There's a great gulf fixed between us. He said, okay, then look, I've got five brothers back in my father's house. At least go tell them so they won't come to this place. You think he had religion? Yeah, but he got it too late. And there he was praying that somehow somebody would go to those brothers. I said to the teenager one time, I said, you know, you're going to get religion one of these days. The Bible says this. The Bible says one of these days every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But it doesn't say it'll all happen in heaven. It says of things in heaven, of things on earth, and things under the earth. And they'll all say that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's no way to build an ark and save your home unless you settle it that you know and that you know that you know Christ is in your heart as your Savior and as the Lord of your life, that you have repented of sin and received Jesus Christ by faith. You know what the Bible says? It says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. Tonight, at the invitation time, you will be invited to come and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Standing down here among these counselors will be Dwayne and Iris Blue, this couple right here, standing right down here. And they'll be inviting you to come as a way of saying tonight, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and the Lord of my life. You know, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart tonight, and he's knocking. He's used the testimony. He's used the music. He's using the preacher. And he's knocking at the door of your heart. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, he doesn't say if rich man, educated people or just poor people, uneducated people. He doesn't say smart people, dumb people. He doesn't say famous people, obscure people. He said, if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. You want Jesus in your heart? The only way to build an ark and save your home is to settle your conversion. There's a second thing you need to do. You need to strengthen your convictions. You need to strengthen your convictions. Someone said one time that a belief is something that you hold, but a conviction is something which holds you. You can't get away from it. It's the bottom line in your life. It's what drives you. It's what moves you. Everything else may change, but you say, I'm standing on these convictions. You know, Noah was a man with tremendous convictions. The Bible says that Noah was determined to live for God. Listen to what it says. When the earth was corrupt before God and filled with violence. How easy do you guys think it was for Noah to live a godly life in those days? How many people you think really encouraged him in that? I mean, you think people just came and they wrote him letters and said, Noah, God bless you for that ark. We, we commend you for that. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. And when I came home with various people from our church and that Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans. While the church welcomed us back, everybody stood, God bless you, preacher, we're for you, thank you for taking a stand. When Noah came back from that meeting with God as a builder of an ark, nobody stood up and said, God bless you, Noah, we really think you're wonderful because the earth was corrupt and filled with violence. 
How easy do you think it was for Noah to do that? The Bible says Noah preached righteousness. How easy do you think it was for Noah to preach? To stand up there when nobody would listen to him and everybody was laughing at him for building a big boat when there wasn't water within 100 miles and to preach about righteousness. I get a lot of letters. You know, you stand for something, you get a lot of letters. I mean, some of these letters. This morning, Mike Hand said, well, I'm not going to let you see this. Karen Majors, my secretary, said, oh, you don't need to see these preachers. I mean, let, vile, obscene letters filled with cursing. I mean, they, terrible things. I, I got to see them. But, you know, <clears throat> along with those, there were letters saying, oh, Brother Tom, I tell you, we sold our $24,000 worth of stock in Disney. Praise God for that. Somebody said, we're not Baptists. But I'll tell you what, we're not going to do this. Somebody else said, thank you for witnessing to all kinds of people. God bless you. You know, I got a little encouragement for that. Noah never had anybody write him a letter and say, Noah, that sermon really blessed me. Boy, that really spoke to my heart. I tell you, I've been in a lot of services, Noah, but boy, being a part of First Ark Baptist Church, that's the most wonderful thing. The choir is great. I mean, the singing is good. They didn't have a choir. They had nothing. He got no encouragement. What do you think his in-laws said to him? He probably came around, the daughter called her up and said, Hey, sweetheart, you can come home if you want to. We still got a place for you. We got a bed for you. Why don't you bring those kids? I mean, Noah's making those three boys work out there on that ark. He's driving us crazy. He's making us the laughing stock. How easy do you think it was for Noah to be a man of conviction? It wasn't easy at all, but Noah had convictions. Let me ask you, do you have any convictions? Are you a man of conviction? A woman of conviction? You draw the line and you say, look, I stand for this. I will not change. Do you consistently live these out? The Bible says Noah walked with God. Do you complete what God wants you to do? The Bible says Noah did all the things that God wanted him to do. Do you wait contentedly for what God is going to do? Did you know how long they were on that boat for over a year, friend? Now, you might think that was a mess, and I'll tell you what, I bet that boat was a mess, but it was the best ship floating. Noah just waited for God to do his thing. What are your convictions? Someone has said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Somebody said, well, you're a fool. Well, I, are you a fool for Jesus' sake? Well, if not, well, then whose fool are you? Show your convictions. And finally, if you want to build an ark, it'll save your home. Share your concern with your family. Been a long time since some of you have really loved your families. Maybe made a phone call. Maybe just gone home. Maybe just picked everything up as rotten and as sorry as you are and say, look, I need to ask you to forgive me. Noah was sensitive. He says, the Bible says he was warned of God of things not seen as yet. How sensitive are you to what God's wanting from your life and in the life of your family? The Bible says that Noah was serious about his family. It says he was moved with fear. How serious are you about what's happening in your family? How badly do you want it to be right? The Bible says that Noah was sacrificial. He's willing to put down his pride. He's willing to spend time, spend out his energy to do what God wanted to do, to build a huge boat when he didn't even understand what he was building. How much does your family know about your love for them? Listen, friend, you can build an ark and save your home. Some years ago, I was thinking about this just the other day, telling a friend about it right here, First Southern. Years ago on a Christmas Eve in Dallas, Texas, I received a phone call. 
church I was pastoring, little church, was down in the area they called the creek. It used to be the place just outside the city limits where, where anybody that wanted to get booze could go and get it. And still, it had that reputation. Pretty rough place to live. As a matter of fact, if anybody ever saw the movie Bonnie and Clyde, and I'm not suggesting you go see it, they, they, it was filmed right there. In fact, the back of the church I was pastoring at that time is, is in that film, Big Die Whopping Deal, but I'm just telling you it was that kind of a neighborhood. All right, now, I got this phone call, Christmas Eve. I mean, that's when you want to be with your family. And it's Ms. Nolan. Ms. Nolan said to me, Brother Tom, she says, Ted has gone to a bar, and I think Ted's going to try to kill himself. I knew Ted. Ted, you talk about German shepherds. He had an albino German shepherd in his front yard, just trained to kill preachers. <laughs> I never was more scared of anything. I mean, I don't like cats, but I really didn't like that, that, that German shepherd, I'll guarantee you. That was just the kind of guy Ted was. Ted would never come to church. Ted would curse me. You know, he's one of the few people that really would consistently just, just curse me out. I mean, he really would. He just unload on me. Ted didn't have any use for God, God's people, the church, and his wife would bring her son and daughter and come to church and we would love on her and we would encourage her and she would always say, pray for Ted, pray for Ted. Well, the phone rang and here she was. She said, would you, my, my husband, I think he's going to commit suicide. I almost wanted to say, you're worried about that. But I knew better. Every life is precious to God. I said, what can I do? Where is he? And she said, he's at this bar. The name of the bar was the Biddo Aaron. I think it has something to do with Ireland. I don't know. And uh, so she said, would you go and try to get him? And so I went to that bar, and I went inside that bar on Christmas Eve. I mean, the, the visibility was down about this far. Guys were just drunk out of their gourds, weaving from one table to the other. It was Christmas Eve. They had no place to go. And I, finally I asked, I said, hey, does anybody here know where Ted Nolan is? Some old guy spoke and said, I think he's outside in that car. And so I went outside, and sure enough, there was Ted's car. I just missed this walking in. And I got down, and I could see Ted sitting there. He was smoking a cigarette. He just looked terrible. Man, I, I knocked on the window, and he just looked at me, just sort of glowered, and he reached over and unlocked the door. I got out, and I, I sat down in the passenger seat in the front, and I realized I was straddling one of those little three-gallon cans of gasoline, and the lid was off of it. I said, Ted, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to think about how long it's going to take me to flip this cigarette right there into that gas can. My whole life flashed before my eyes. Boy, I thought, oh, man. I said, Ted, you need help. Ted was a, was a veteran, Vietnam vet. He said, preacher, he said, I don't need any help. I said, Ted, you need help big time. He said, preacher, I don't need any help. You can give me. I said, Ted, you really need help. I said, I believe God will help you. He said, leave God out of this. He said, God doesn't care anything about me. I said, Ted, would you come with me? Let's go get help. Where are you taking me? I said, let's at least go to the veterans hospital. It's a free bed for the night. He said, okay, I'll go with you. We got in my car. We drove all the way from the north side of Dallas over the south side of Dallas where veterans hospital was. We pulled in the parking lot of veterans hospital about 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And I said, Ted, would you just let me tell you how it is that Jesus loves you, how he came to this earth, how he died on the cross to pay for your sins, and how he rose from the grave, and how, how Ted, if you would receive him as your Savior and repent of your sin, he'd come into your life and change your life. He said, you think he'd do that for me? 
I said, I know he'll do that for you. He said, but I've sinned a lot. I said, you hadn't sinned too much. He said, you really think he'd come tomorrow? I said, he promised he'd come. I said, if he doesn't do it, he's breaking your promise. He loses all of us. Ted said, preacher, I'll do it. And we bowed our head there in my car. And I heard Ted say, Jesus, I know you love me. I know you paid for my sin. And I know you've risen from the grave and you said you'd come into my heart if I ask you. Jesus, I'm asking you to come in right now. And I tell you, Ari, she said, I knelt down a tramp and got up a lady. When Ted looked at me, that old grizzled face, he had the biggest old toothless smile. He said, preacher, he said, I think it took. I said, what do you want to do? He said, let's go home. All the way back over in South Dallas, back over in North Dallas, we drove up. And I want to tell you something. You know, it doesn't always happen like this. It, do I prom it doesn't always happen quite like this, but this was really like the movies. I mean, Jimmy Stewart could have been there, little Juju or whatever with the, the whole deal. I mean, it was just unbelievable. We walked up, knocked on the door. I looked over there at that Irish center. I think the, the, the German Shepherd, I think the German Shepherd was smiling. Knock on that door. Ted's wife opened the door, and I said, me, Brother Tom, I've got Ted. And I mean, he literally stepped inside the door, and he stood there. He had his hat in his hand. He said, sweetheart, he said, I want to tell you, I just trusted Jesus as my Savior. And I want to tell you something. Those two little kids of his were right around the door, literally right around the door. And when he said that, at midnight, they bolted out of that door and ran and grabbed their daddy around the legs and he fell down on the floor with me. He said, it's true. It's true. I've given my heart to Jesus. A year or so later, when we moved out of Dallas, Ted and his wife and kids were still coming to church, loving Jesus and serving Jesus. I got a Bible promise that, Lord, you will encompass him about with faith as a shield. I don't know where Ted is today, but I'll tell you one of these days, I'm going to see Ted Nolan in a home, the best home he's ever lived in. It'll be that eternal home where Jesus is and where we'll be forever because we know Christ as our Savior and as the Lord of our lives. Listen, friend, you can build an ark and you can save your home. You've got to settle your conversion. You've got to show your convictions. You've got to share your concern. But it starts with knowing Christ as your Savior. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this stadium. Father in heaven, how I pray that your Holy Spirit moving across this place tonight will touch the heart of men and women and boys and girls. God, there's so many people here who don't have an eternal home in heaven. Lord, how terrible that'd be. It's bad enough not having a home on earth. The Lord, not to have one in heaven forever. To just spend forever in hell, separated from you. God, how terrible that would be. And I pray, Heavenly Father, right now, that you would touch the heart of every one of us. Lord, if there are believers here tonight, help their heart to be so filled with love that they would be willing for this one night to be the greatest missionary they've ever been that they would be willing to go to somebody, to encourage somebody, to love somebody. Heavenly Father, how I pray that in this moment you would just, just rivet our attention to you and to your love for us. Oh, Father in heaven, bring people to Jesus tonight. 
Father, I pray each person here cannot say I know without question that one day when I die, I'll spend my forever with God in heaven. I pray any person like that will open his heart or her heart tonight and at this altar receive Jesus as Savior and as Lord. Heads are bowed all over the stadium. Eyes are closed. I want to tell you something. Listen carefully. The old devil would not like for you to make one very important decision. And that decision is to trust Jesus tonight as your Savior and as the Lord of your life. To repent of sin and to receive Christ who loves you so much he died for you. But I believe there are people here tonight who say, Brother Tom, what I want to do is I want to build an ark and save my home. And with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, let me ask you this question. Could you say that to God? Dear God, I want to build an ark. I want to save my home. There are parents here who, who realize their children are going astray. Preacher, you'd say, I don't know what's happened to my home, but would you say to God right now, I want to build an ark, save my home? Well, listen, have you settled your conversion? Can you say... Without question, I know Jesus as my Savior. You see, that's where it starts. I know if I die, I'd go to heaven. I've repented of my sin. I've received him as my Savior. You see, that's where it all starts. Now listen carefully. In just a few moments, we're going to stand. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask the choir to begin singing that wonderful hymn, There's Room at the Cross for You. Our counselors are going to be coming. I'm going to ask Dwayne Iris to be standing right down here. But I want to ask you, dear friend, teenager, mom, dad, young man, young lady, boy or girl, if tonight your heart's desire is to receive Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior, to just trust him, to just take him at his word, to turn from sin and turn to Christ. To have the kind of transformation in your life that Dwayne and Iris have had in their life. If you want to meet that kind of a Jesus, I want to ask you when we begin singing just to come to this aisle, make your way down these center stairs or the stairs on either side and come and just stand as close as you can right here at the front. I want to pray for you. Our counselors will give you something that will help you grow in your faith, encourage you, just think, you could go away from this place tonight knowing without question that you have a home in heaven. Knowing without question that Jesus is in your heart. Knowing without question that for the rest of your life on earth, he's got a purpose for you and you can live for him. You can know that without question tonight. But it all starts. Building an ark, saving your home starts when you settle your conversion. I want to change. And I know I can't change. Only Jesus can do it. Would you make up your mind that the moment we pray, the moment I say amen, the moment the choir begins singing, you'll just start making your way through those benches down here, right down here as close as you can, right to the front. You say, well, what if I rode a bus? That bus is going to wait for you. What if I've got other people? Those other people will wait for you. You're saying tonight I'm doing the most important business I've ever done. I want to build an ark to save my home. I want to settle my conversion. I want to say yes to Jesus. 
And even if this old world gets as wicked as it was in the days of Noah, I want to be like Noah, someone who looks at the cross, trusts Jesus, and is made right with God. Build an ark. Save your home. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand quietly at our feet. I'm going to lead us in prayer when I say amen from all over this stadium. Quickly, you just make your way to the steps. Right down here as close as you can, close as you can, right to the front. Father in heaven, how I pray trusting that you, by the power of your blessed Holy Spirit, would draw people to say yes to Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, enthrone Jesus. Lift him up before us so that we would be drawn to him and his love and his mercy and his grace. And I pray it in the wonderful and matchless saving name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing. You just come on right now, quickly. As counselors come, prayer warriors come. That's it. I'm saying yes to Jesus.